Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. Watch. Chop. Retrofit. Let's get ready to podcast! In the red corner, hailing from Watertown, South Dakota, oh, by way of Kitchener, Ontario, Canada, wearing the rainbow sequin trunks, it's Chelsea the Regulator! No! <laughs> and in the blue corner, hailing from Nichols, by way of Florence, South Carolina, wearing the star-spangled trunks... It's Todd, the special guest. Woo! Let's get it on. Glad to be here again. Welcome to Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast and pop culture adjacent podcast. Welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome, Chelsea. Welcome, Todd. Thank you for agreeing to do the episode. And if you hadn't guessed it, uh, we are doing boxing movies today in honor of the upcoming Boxing Day holiday. And yes, we know that has nothing to do with boxing, but. Uh, we figured it was as good a reason as any to talk about boxing films. So uh, thank you both for being here. We're going to have some fun today. First of all, we want to do an RIP to uh, one of the listeners to the podcast. You might know her. Mm-hmm. Yes, Grandma Patty. Yes, Travis's grandmother mm-hmm. passed away uh, recently. And uh, our thoughts and uh, spirits and whatever else you might want to throw his way uh, is with Travis and his family during this time. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we miss we miss her. Just feel like we know her just from uh, all of the stories that Travis has told us through the years. So rest in power, rest in peace to uh, Grandma Patty. And lots of love to Travis and Michelle. And then, of course, uh, timely to the episode, rest in peace to Mills Lane, uh, famous boxing uh, referee, uh, dead at uh, age 85. A lot of people who aren't familiar with boxing might know him as the voice of the referee in MTV's Celebrity Deathmatch TV series. A fucking masterpiece of a show. Uh, you might also know him as Judge Mills Lane on a TV judge show. But <laughs> uh, for boxing fans, uh, he became famous as being the referee who disqualified Mike Tyson when he bit the ear off of Evander Holyfield during their second fight? Yes, yeah, second fight. So. Yep. I remember actually uh, watching that fight at a friend's house, and we were so pissed off at the way that it ended. Of course, it's legendary now. Um, probably even more so than the first fight, which is, was a better actual fight. Right. But at the time, I mean, it happened on, I can't remember the second or third round. So nothing had happened notable. And then all of a sudden the fight's over. You couldn't even see the bite initially. Uh, it wasn't until later that they showed a close up of his ear and you could see where Tyson had, uh, literally eaten part of his ear off. But, um, yeah, anyway. It's part of of our culture. It's part of our culture now. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. RIP to Mills Lane because he definitely was part of that episode. Um, So yeah, we're taping up. We're going toe to toe with the vast history of Hollywood heavyweights, boxing movies. Chelsea, what do you think about boxing movies? Um, I just haven't seen a lot of boxing movies, but the ones that I have seen, um, I don't know. I kind of, I really sit on the fence with this. There's, there's really problematic themes in a lot of them, obviously. Um, and I guess, I guess you'll hear my opinions as okay. we go. Cause I have a, I have a lot that we're going to, we're going to, uh, it's not an easy answer. 
We're going to not ask Todd what his opinion is. We're just going to let it show through through the episode and see if you can guess what his opinion of boxing well, movies this is. is. This is inspired by a conversation we had. Yes, absolutely. And, I'm here for a reason, folks. Um, a friend of the show, uh, Jay Poole, has described Todd as a, a boxing rain man. Yes, and that was brilliant. <laughs> so, so we we are looking forward to, to knowledge bombs being dropped I left know, right? and right. The first boxing film was shot in 1894 by the Black Maria Studio, which was Thomas Edison's movie studio, the first movie studio, and it was a fixed position camera trained on a ten by ten ring, and it was a simulated boxing match. Uh, fought between Mike Leonard and Jack Cushing. And there you go. That's our first boxing movie. It goes all the way back to 1894. That's crazy. Um, our first modern-day boxing film, uh, as most people would consider it, was 1931's The Champ. It's about Champ Purcell, the one-time champ brought down by the bottle. Right. And he tries to redeem himself in the eyes of his son. Oozing with sentimentality. Yes. It's not a great... It doesn't hold up super well. Uh, it was on the Criterion channel a while back, so I saw it. Uh, it may still be on there. Um, I want the champ. I want the champ is the lament that yeah. the, the little kid gives towards it the It really, uh, really lays the groundwork, though, for a lot of the, um, I don't want to say tropes, because they're, they're just solid themes. Uh, they're, they're solid humanist fighting the odds and battle with battling with your pride and your conscience. There are a lot of things Your that demons. are... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's in boxing films. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, before we jump into it, though, I want, I came across an article that I wanted to share with you about some of the uh, vernacular, some of the, uh, the words that we use in our modern-day language uh, that come straight from boxing. And, Chelsea, I want you to uh, see if any of these ring a bell for you. Ring a bell. That's the first one. Bare knuckle. Obviously, mm-hmm. bare knuckle brawl, blow by blow, a detailed account that comes straight from boxing. A blow by blow account is how you report on a boxing match in the papers. <laughs> a newspaper, Chelsea, is a piece of paper with words printed on it. Um, they were very popular. What ba- prints? Yeah, it's huh. yeah, it's weird. Glass jaw, glass jaw, referring to the. Uh, yeah, I know that one. Okay, you've heard that one before. Okay. Yep. Uh, down for the count. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody in my corner. Mm-hmm. Low blow. Mm-hmm. That was below the belt. Mm-hmm. You've heard all of those things. Obviously, a knockout, a KO, um, straight out of boxing. Um, squared circle on the ropes. What's squared circle? A squared. So the ring is, of course, a rectangle. Uh-huh. Uh, but they call it a squared circle. But I, 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 I guess because uh, I don't know. Why do they call I would wager circle? that it has to do with the origins of boxing dating back to right you know uh, 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 Olympic times in in Greece you know they probably did play in a uh, face off in a ring right. and right. since has become a squared um, mm-hmm. circle right punch drunk you've heard of the term punch drunk mm-hmm. you've heard of the movie yeah. punch drunk love yeah. Yeah. which actually is probably what we would call now CTE yes that's probably what we're seeing now with football players is probably what uh, they, you know, used to call when they would, you know, you'd have a fighter who was, uh, old and washed up and slurring his words and that kind of thing. Um, saved by the bell. Well, that's from a TV show. Right. Of course. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for you to <laughs> get me with that one. Roll with the punches. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's clearly straight off of a uh, boxing, uh, sucker punch. The gloves are off. Right. Throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. 
that's from boxing. That's when they said, you know, my fighters had enough. Manager throws in the towel to indicate that it's over. And then there's one, there's one last one. Is that the real McCoy? I did not know that the really? real McCoy came from boxing. Really? Norman Selby, or better known in the ring as Charles Kid McCoy, was a boxer in the 20s and 30s who had the reputation for being eccentric, outgoing, but also wildly unpredictable. This was even displayed in his out- outings in the boxing ring when spectators and sports writers would wonder which version of the fighter would enter the ring and fight that night. The real fighter or the guy just making a show of it? The real McCoy. And that's from the website titleboxing.com. Interesting. So yeah, I learned something this week. Okay, I was really curious about this squared circle. And as I'm reading this, I'm going, well, f- of course, duh. Um, <clears throat> so apparently when they first used to do like organized boxing, it was in like circles drawn on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then when they put like the, the ropes or the barriers up, it was still within a, like a, a circle and they called it a ring, which it's still called today. Right. Hence... The mm. squared circle. It's really hard to make taut ropes right. curve right. <laughs> and defy physics. Right, well, right. Yeah, and it just evolved from there. But yeah, because I was curious. You need that. corners, I guess, to get it nice and taut. Well, and to have someone in your corner, you'd obviously need a right. corner. All right, let's dive in, folks. That was fun to talk about <laughs> the words we use. <laughs> so why has boxing been a film motif for so long? Todd? <laughs> Well, I think uh, we sort of indicated that initially when we were talking about the champ. Uh, all kinds of, you know, life themes can be encapsulated in a fighter and what the fighter has to go through in the ring. Fighting is a brutal sport. It's a working class sport. Um, you, you don't hear about somebody that went to, you know, no, nobody whose parents went to Harvard is, is a boxer, right? right? That just doesn't happen. Um, it's, it's usually working class people who are fighting their way up. They oftentimes have obstacles uh, because the moneyed people are oftentimes trying to take advantage of them right in these movies at least um and and so they're uh, have those obstacles to come across as we'll see in some movies uh, uh one the the harder they fall that we may talk about in more depth but uh there's a um Towards the end of that movie, you find out about all this money that was made off of this fighter, and the fighter himself uh, got $49.07. So, you have these uh, themes of the, uh, you know, the working class man trying to uh, overcome obstacles, achieve a certain glory, because it's not just about the money, right? It's about proving something uh, to someone or to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I just think that there's a lot of life that takes place uh, metaphorically, um, you know, in, in a boxing match or within the life of a bo- of a boxer. Chelsea, I, I I think all of those things are true, except if you're a girl. Okay, that's an excellent point. Mm-hmm. I I can totally see where exactly where you're coming from, and can see it in the few boxing movies that I've seen, obviously, but I can't find anything. That feels really relatable to me in terms of struggle because it, it is so centered around masculinity and how like even just the concept of that is challenged constantly. Mm-hmm. I would I would I would even go so far as to say films like Girl Fight is nothing more than a male boxing story with a female character. Well, exactly. And that's mm-hmm. how all of those like and even Million Dollar million Baby, dollar baby kind, right. of, 
uh, falls into that trap as well. I thought I was going to love that. I'm like, oh, yeah, look at this badass I think Million Dollar Baby does try to push back against that a little bit. I don't know how successfully it does it. But because you have, of course, the Clint Eastwood character who's kind of struggling to accept that this woman wants to fight. Right. And it becomes his struggle versus hers. True. Yeah. Again, turning it into a man's movie. Exactly. It it is a very uh, testosterone-driven genre, for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Um, The other flip side to that, in terms of those themes for me, and the ones that I enjoy the most, are when you're dealing with the the evil side of boxing. Like you mentioned, the, the, the rich people pulling the strings. Forcing the uh, the fighter between a rock and a hard place. It's a usually a crisis of conscience. Very popular, well known scene would be uh, the tale of Butch in Pulp Fiction. A lot of people would relate to that who may may or may not have seen other films. But there are plenty of other films that go back to the 30s and 40s that tread on those exact same themes. You've got a fighter who, for one reason or another, is being asked to take the fall, and it, it is a pride thing, as Marcellus Wallace always said, fuck pride. You know, that's pride mm-hmm. talking. That's one of those themes that really resonate with me in boxing. I love those types of stories. So the part where I, I, I still kind of enjoy watching the few boxing movies I've seen is boxing movies have this unique way. And I really don't mean this as a negative or a knock, but they kind of draw on sort of how soap operas work. Like, the shit gets crazy, like fucking crazy, no matter what movie you're watching. And that's really exciting. I really enjoy watching that. And there usually is a good woman in the corner, uh, particularly yes. in the noir era uh, boxing movies of the men who are, you know, uh, in this, which has, as you say, a soap operatic uh, flavor to it for sure. It, and that's really a, a compliment, not a knock at oh, all. I, I didn't no, take it no. that way at okay. all. Okay. Well, no. sometimes people just, you hear soap opera and you <clears throat> have a, you have a thought. You know, it's funny, uh, Todd, you mentioned about the uh, lower income or middle class fighters. And it's because at its core, boxing is a very inexpensive sport. You need, right. you need your gloves. Yeah. You need your clothes. <laughs> and that's about it. Uh, everything else is kind of secondary. It's kind of like soccer in, right. in, in third world countries where it's it's an inexpensive sport to get involved in. And you have this clear cut path to glory. Mm-hmm. And that's very much what boxing represented in, in, in the, the 30s, 40s, 50s. And uh, I guess, you know, that raises that question of, you know, what about today? It does does the boxing movie still resonate with audiences? And I would say it does because of those simple themes that that it treads on. Those 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 tales, the the the, the story of the underdog, the story of of hope and overcoming obstacles. I think that still resonates with people. That's why you see that the the Creed movie, which I think was very well done, kind mm-hmm. of uh, even though while it was basically you know a carbon copy of some of the films made before it it still played. It played to a modern audience. Well, and I think too, um, it's a very American thing too. uh, Because one thing I was curious about, it occurred to me as I was thinking about this episode, I was like, well, I haven't really seen that many foreign language boxing films. And so I started to look and see if I could find any, and there are very few. Um, Certainly not any well-known ones. There's Rocco and his brothers, which is an Italian neorealism film. That's uh, a really good movie, but I, I don't even really think of that as a boxing movie. One of the brothers is a boxer played by uh, the, the the famous French actor uh, Delon. Um, but uh, 
But in any case, I, that made me think, well, why is that uh, very much an American cinematic thing? And I think it does have to do with that sort of rugged individualism that seems to permeate in the sort of American uh, self-image. Um, and so you mentioned soccer. It's a poor man's sport, but in soccer, you can be a great soccer player, but be trapped on a crappy team. Whereas if you're a boxer, theoretically speaking, it's your own grit and toughness that, you know, you, you can pull yourself up by the bootstrap, so to speak. <laughs> which, um, which is a very American thing. And right. I, to me, like I associate boxing really closely with the military, just because those are movies that stick out in my mind in terms of how I've seen, seen it. And just well, also being in the military, you definitely hear even just within boot camp about like the, the rich history and, at all boxing has within the, just the Navy itself. Right. It was a big deal. And that's a great point. And it still, it still exists today uh, in the branches of the military. Correct. I mean, you know, I don't know, but again, just past history stuff like that was really a big aspect of, of things we were taught. Sure. I, I, I can think of a dozen films where the main character is like, Oh, he was a boxing champ in the army back in world war two. Well, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That it's a big deal to your point about the foreign films, like boxing films, Mm -hmm. non-existent. I was also doing research Mm -hmm. for this episode. It came across an article about how South Africa just, within 2020 released a boxing feature film called knuckle city. Like, and it was kind of a big deal. It has lots of articles. I found one that I think was Turkish. There are very few out there. And it's, and it's weird because it's not like American football where Mm -hmm. only, you know, it's only played here for the most part or popular here. Boxing's popular all over the world. And yet you don't have that many movies. And I do think it, it, it must say something to the American sort of ideal um, although in the best movies, though, it challenges that. Of course, you have these uh, the rugged individualism of the boxer. You know, we're going to wrap that down from the uh, mobster surrounding them or whoever the powers that be are. Well, I think another kind of problem where it doesn't translate everywhere and kind of a problem for me. And one of the things I was telling you as I was watching Rocky, like, why the fuck are these types of sports still considered sports? Like, what the fuck is the point? of just trying to hurt somebody else. And I think just globally, there, there's enough reasons that people hate each other. To, to do it as a sport and to be celebrated and for fun, I'm not entirely sure that that translates. I mean, this dates back to the Romans. I mean, well, uh, one course. man fighting another man, that's as primal as it gets, But I guess. in modern times, just right. with everything going on, I, I don't get it. Yeah. At all. Well, I think that, uh, I mean, in reality, boxers probably have a great mutual respect and admiration of, for each of other. Of course. But I, st- I just struggle to see the sport within it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, uh, you know, they call it the sweet science. That's uh, another term that, that comes uh, from boxing. It was uh, coined by a sports writer, A.J. Liebling, back in the 40s, I believe. But anyway... His argument was that there is art, art to it. There's an uh, when you watch a, a particularly good, talented fighter who's good at his craft, it's no different than watching a welder or someone like that going at their craft. They have uh, there's an art to it. Um, Joyce Carol Oates, the uh, um, she wrote a boxing book as well. The um, the uh, I think she, uh, National Book Award winning author, I guess. Anyway, um, but uh, you know a lot of uh, journalists, writers have written eloquently about what they see at least as sort of a beauty behind the brutality. Now that doesn't mean that's right, but 
Well, uh, yeah, and I, I can see all of those things. It's just, like I said, in this day and age, to, to train and to, to make strategies just to ultimately at the end hurt somebody else really is, is a hard pill for me to swallow. That's mm-hmm. all. It's understandable. And I'm sure that that is shared by a lot of people. You're not going to get an argument out of me in that regard. Uh, but it does raise an interesting point about other people's opinions. and uh, We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what, what the public craves and thirsts for. And that brings me to my point about uh, the rise of UFC, MMA type uh, fights uh, versus mm-hmm. boxing. And, you know, I think that it's in, you cannot dispute the popularity of MMA. And, I mean, you see, it seems like there's a pay-per-view on every other week Mm -hmm. and obviously it's doing well raking money in hand over fist and in the women's and the men's side for that matter but has that popularity made boxing movies less impactful to audiences well here's where i think the downfall is going to happen it's these fucking little tiktokers and youtubers that are having these fights against each other or fighting somebody who was within the boxing world who it's not an even match, but it's to get their, their names out there. And ultimately a lot of them want to end up in MMA and MMA is like, fuck you. You're turning this into a joke. And I can kind of see how it's all going to crumble here pretty soon. Cause it is pretty fucking, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. It's a joke at this point. Uh, one theory that I have about why... So, uh, we were talking about this before the show. Even though MMA seems to have passed boxing in popularity, uh, nevertheless, if you think about how many MMA-themed uh, movies are there, I can... I think I maybe... I can't even remember the name of it. I can think of at least one or two, but none that were... <laughs> really got much notice yet there have been boxing movies continue to be released featuring prominent actors like Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal um, you have of course the Creed franchise that you referenced earlier they're making a third one of those they're doing really well one theory I have I think speaks though to what Chelsea said about TikTok and that sort of thing the people who are in MMA are younger people yeah. and they're more in like two two and a half hour movies aren't their bag right? no no they uh, want it Right. And so I wonder if, I mean, that's just a theory, but I wonder if that uh, is why you're not seeing like a a bunch of MMA movies suddenly coming out to tap into that market. Maybe that market's not really there in terms of an interest in movies. Maybe it really is just on like the social media, TikTok, whatever. As you were saying that, and we really like at the beginning talking about how boxing really is an American you know, themed thing. MMA draws from a lot of different things. I mean, like you have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, like all these things. Oh, that's a great point. I don't think you can have the American dream, the underdog, all of these things with so many different elements that go into MMA. You just can't have it. And that's a great point. Even though obviously Americans didn't invent boxing, the modern concept of having a world champion that was recognized. That started with the New York Boxing Commission in the early 20th century, and all the early champions were Americans. Primo Carnera, in fact, the one that Italian boxer I mentioned earlier, was the first foreign uh, champion. Um, And so even though boxing obviously goes back thousands of years, um, 
the modern conception of it really is sort of American made. And it's the thing that that plays well within movies and makes them so successful. And I, I just don't think that you can do it with MMA. You just can't. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, it may have more, like the international flavor of it may actually work against it in terms oh, of, of course. its cinematic appeal, at least in the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that remains to be seen. We'll see if there's like yeah. a fall off. There has to be some and, sort of point of diminishing returns if a boxing if boxing movies stop appealing to an audience then they'll they'll stop making them you know yeah. I mean, that's just the way the business works right that's an interesting idea i mean is it a matter of the attention fan the attention span of the uh, mma enthusiast versus the, the the feature length of a film i like to think that that there is a place for boxing films just because of the very simple parables that they mm-hmm. tell right um, but at the same time um I think you can do it there without is some, boxing. You can do it in other ways, exactly. And the fact that, you know, MMA too is more complex in terms of you're throwing kicks, you're doing all the choke holds, all this stuff. Boxing is just your fist and yeah, that's it. It's and very there's something simple about that and, simplicity, yeah. And that, that that kind of gets us really close to the next topic. Um I think that there's something about boxing that does work on film and that is it's a very simple thing to follow. Punches thrown, punches received. Exactly. You can do some beautiful things with camera work to really make those punches impactful if they need to be or not. And well, and then from the practical standpoint of the actors. So you have to train the actors to pr- produce a facsimile of being a good boxer or a good MMA fighter. It's probably easier to do that for boxing where it's just your fist versus mm-hmm. trying to create some facsimile of a really good MMA fighter who has to... You know, no, so many different things. Yeah, and the MMA fight. fights aren't that cinematic. A lot of those no, fights no. end up with clutching, grabbing, clutching, grabbing, grabbing. They're on it the ground, really grappling. Comes into like re- like wrestling, and not <clears throat> mm-hmm. not like WWE wrestling, yeah. obviously. But yeah. So all, some of that was just kind of popping into my head. Yeah, same. Talking. Well, then let's spend the last bit of the first half then talking about some of our favorite boxing films. Well, wait, I have a question. Oh, go. Have you ever boxed? Have you ever been like in a fight where it came? Yeah. Uh, tell me about it. I grew up boxing. Uh, I've told you this story before. I want to hear. I grew up boxing. Uh, my my dad had got me boxing gloves, and uh, he would put on knee pads, and he would stand on his knees, and we would box each other. I was between six and eight years old when I was doing it the most. I remember my dad had a speed bag and a body bag. In we had a carport, not a garage, just an awning, and he had a body bag that uh, that, that you know. That, he would work, and so he would get on his knees, and we would fight. And there's a home movie of mine that uh, my mom shot where I clocked my dad on the jaw, <laughs> and it was so unexpected. You could see that like his lights go out for a second, and then he kind of like shakes his head back into realization that, damn, <laughs> you know. But, but uh, that's about as far as I took it. But you know, I I, I did watch a lot of boxing growing up, um, and most of that was from my grandfather. My grandfather watched on my mom's side. Watched a lot of the the HBO Friday Night Fights. You know, oh, yeah. HBO was a huge, huge oh, yeah. producer of boxing, and so I grew up in the era of uh, the tail end of Muhammad Ali, the the, the rise of Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, you know, the, the Leon Spinks. The you know those guys, and then of course the game changer for me when I was around high school was you know Mike Tyson. <laughs> that guy completely changed the game entirely. Who who is the guy I was telling you about? Oh, famous, but after Mike Tyson. Uh, well, you got Oscar De La Hoya. You have, yeah, that uh, one. That's De it. There you go. Right. Yeah. And De La Hoya actually fits in with my timeline 
mine, so mine um, I, of course I remember Tyson and I, I mentioned uh, I saw the bite fight live when it happened and that kind of thing but um, I lived out in the country where we had like three channels so I wasn't seeing a lot of the ESPN HBO stuff maybe a friend would have it occasionally uh, it was when I moved into town and we had cable. <laughs> then I started kind of getting into it a little bit more. And that was the era of De La Hoya, uh, yeah. Pernell Whitaker, Sweet Pea, as they called him, um, Felix Trinidad. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody who might be more recognized. Uh, Lennox Lewis was yeah, the yeah, world yeah. heavyweight champion uh, from Canada, um, actually. That was kind of the era that I got into it. Uh, a lot and that was probably the last era where boxing was like king it feels um, like it died after that because I mean I was still pretty young when that happened but mm-hmm. I remember those HBO like Friday night oh, yeah. fight like that was something that we watched all the time and then as I got older it just wasn't there like yeah. it was just gone and HBO closed up shop with their boxing about three or four years ago I think yeah. up until then they were that was one of their staples and they had the same announcers for a long time Jim Lampley was is considered one of the great uh, boxing announcers. It wasn't um, pushed as hard though. Like after yeah. after like two thousand, honestly. No, and I think that's why HBO eventually did away with it. I guess it just wasn't giving them the return because you know they're trying to get subscribers, right? And so you get the subscriber through. We've got Mike Tyson on. We've got Oscar De La Hoya on. We've got you know whoever on, and the names just started uh, drying up. Floyd Mayweather is probably the last yeah. big name. Yeah. Yeah, and then the advent of pay per view, uh, I think, really was that hurt. Was, was a definitely spike in the in the coffin. Yeah. Did you ever actually like box box? You have like a boxing story? Oh no no no. <laughs> um, well, I, well, sort of. Uh, my friend uh, Stan Watford, if you're listening, shout out. You're not, but um, <laughs> when, when he uh, he uh, uh, his dad had boxing gloves in his garage, and so Stan and I would get on his trampoline and put the nice. boxing gloves on and you know, kind of hit the crap out of each other with that. Um, but that, that's, that's my extent of my boxing career. So. All right. All right. Um, what about you, Chelsea? Oh, well, uh, I did Muay Thai. I didn't box, but. But you've taken a punch. I, I have. Okay. <laughs> I, God, I was like pretty fresh out of boot camp, like maybe six months. And I had gone back to South Dakota to visit my family. And there's like this local, local bar there. And, you play pool and one of the tropes is they give you peanuts and you throw all the shells on the ground and it's it's just that kind of place these marines had walked in and they were they were from a a bigger town but like visiting family or something and they were like oh let's play pool i'm a terrible fucking pool player like the worst we were like loser buys around so they had their back turns and they were they were talking and i pushed mine and my cousin's balls in (laughs) But I had went and got beers. They turned around and like kind of caught me. And the one guy was so pissed. Oh my God. He was freaking out, screaming and yelling. And the next thing I know, he just clocks me and I was fucking knocked out. And it was wow. awful. But all of my uncles and cousins were there. <laughs> Anyways, I didn't give the fucker the beer that I bought him. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! Well, I think with that, that's a good, pa- uh, good pausing point for us to uh, to stop and, and 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 get some some intermission snacks and treats and right. All that kind I'm of not business. singing the song. You're not gonna sing? No, I don't sing the song. Damn it! Nobody likes to sing the song. Well, anymore. I still feel some type of way about the sound of my voice. Okay, so. well, let's go to the lobby and get ourselves some. Get ourselves a treat. Boxed lunches. Wow, fucking weak. I'm glad I didn't sing this song.
Welcome back. Thank you for uh, sticking with us. Uh, I had to pee in the yard. I didn't, but I also didn't get punched. Todd had to pee in the yard. Indeed. We refilled our beverages and uh, kind of have an on-theme beer. I'm drinking official Hazy IPA from Bell's. Bell's Brewing. Get it? Bell's? Yeah, I got it. Ring Thanks. the bell. Nice. Ding, ding. Which is the way one of the... Rocky, is it Rocky Two that ends that way? Ring the bell. Ding, ding. I, actually, that's a oh Rocky Three. Rocky that's three. right. It's when, Rocky uh, Three. Oh and they do the freeze frame and it turns into like a painting. Oh right. God. Oh, Jesus. Well, that's a good segue into uh, talking about some of our favorite and not so favorite boxing films. Todd, I'm going to let you go first. You're the okay. guest. Well, Lead I'm going to save uh, Rocky since we're going to be talking about that. That's definitely on the list, of course. One that I'm a big fan of uh, that I rewatched this week and, and you and I uh, sort of text a little bit about The Harder They Fall with Humphrey Bogart, which was, in fact, his final film role. Yes. This film uh, was made in 1956, released in 1956. He died in January of 57. Oh, wow. So it was the very last movie he did. Um, he seems fine <laughs> in his performance yeah. in this. He's smoking a lot of cigarettes, though, so, I, you know, probably didn't help. But, Weren't they all, though? Yeah, exactly. So, in any case, this movie uh, is, uh, it's still got that sort of crooked gangster-type angle, but it's much different. It's more from the promoter side rather from somebody's, um, you know, it, it, in most of these movies, there's a mob element, something like that. It's not quite like that uh, in this movie. Uh, Bogart plays a sports writer who's down on his luck. Uh, the paper that he wrote for has folded. And so he's out of work now, um, and he's trying to figure out what he's going to do. He's married. He has a wife. This promoter uh, is trying to bring him on as sort of a press agent, essentially. And what he wants him to do as the press agent is build up this giant man uh, called, uh, he's from Argentina, called Toro Marino. And, and he's a big man. Yeah. Oh, he's huge, massive. You can't underestimate and understate how big and massive this dude is on the film. Yeah. He, okay. Not, and, not Andre the Giant Big, but he is a big fella. Okay. okay. And the actor who played this guy, by the way, and I forget his actual name, but uh, he was actually... Uh, so the Toro character was found in a circus. That actor was also originated in circuses. Uh, and then was eventually a, a professional wrestler. You could see why, though, someone would want to take this guy and turn him into uh, a, an attraction, a popular fighter. But in any case, this promoter brings in the Humphrey Bogart character, Eddie, because he is a very well-respected sports writer, and so he wants him to work for them so he can sell that this guy is the real deal. So Eddie, uh, they, bring, they bring in Toro to see him fight, and he is horrible. He cannot, he cannot take a punch. He cannot throw a punch. He is awful. Uh, they have uh, the trainer fight with him. And the trainer, by the way, is played by Jersey Joe Walcott, who was a former world heavyweight champion. Uh, but in any case, uh, the, the trainer punches him in the stomach, and Toro falls over, has to be held up. He punches him in the face, and it's made to look like just a regular old punch, falls over again. And so, in any case, Toro is just terrible, yes. can't fight. And so, Bogart is like, no, get me out of here. But he's talked into it, though. This is where sort of the dark side comes in. It's not with the fighter in this movie, which is where it's a little bit different. Or at least the fighter, the fighter finds out later. But for most of the movie, the crisis is not with the fighter. It is with the Bogart sports writer character. So, you're looking at a peripheral character 
uh, rather, and so that's where that movie I think is a little bit original. Yeah. It's not the fighter himself. Yeah, it's Bogart's peripheral character who's participating and he's wrestling in this with ruse. his ethics. Right. Is this been remade? This sounds familiar. I'm sure that it has in in maybe not necessarily in boxing. Not like well, but not not straight remake, but but like a press agent trying to sell mm-hmm. a package and, that's not the, true. The Toro character is what's getting me because I'm like mm-hmm. I think this sounds really familiar. There, there very well could be. I'm sure it was uh, some premise uh, in some other movie that was similar cool. to it, but um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, and you find out too through conversations that the uh, Bogart Eddie has with other colleagues of his that this is commonplace for sports writers at this time to kind of do this sort of thing where they, in order to get ahead or not to be uh, pushed aside, that they, when they know a fight's fixed, they don't tell it, that kind of thing. Um, I'm going to jump in with, with one of my favorites, and it's a new favorite. I, we just discovered it this week, Todd, mm-hmm. you and I did, um, but hopefully it's going to set up the next one. I hope you'll take my cue on that one. Uh, I'm going to talk about Body and Soul. Body and Soul really is, is a really cool movie. It stars uh, John Garfield playing a, a boxer who kind of works his way up through the ranks, becomes the heavyweight champion. He's got a battle axe of a mother. Oh my God. Yes. She's, she's hard. She's mean. And, and, but it's good. It works. It works for the story. Exactly. He's, he's got a love interest who is devoted to him. You talking about the woman in the corner, you know, she is virtuous and she, she's his Jiminy cricket. She's, she's his guiding conscience. Uh, she even has a bit of an accent that they comment on on the movie. We're not. Right. What was the? It, I don't think it was exactly a British accent. No, but it's, they actually make a joke about it. Yeah, she had she had like a not a well to do upbringing, but she was around well to do people or something. Right. But uh, the, John Garfield uh, ends up being the the champ, and then he's supposed to take the fall. He's got to take the dive, and everyone's betting uh, uh, betting on him, or the people who are in the know are betting against him. Well, the interesting thing about this though is before we get to the end where he's supposed to take the fall, he actually agreed, like, and mm-hmm. this is another thing that I think is interesting about this movie, he agreed, like, he can't get him, like, he figures out after several years, I'm not going to get a title shot unless I go in with these mobsters. Right. And so he finally agrees to it. His friend, who's great in this movie, Shorty, I don't know who the actor is, but you remember yeah. Shorty? Yeah, Shorty was um, fantastic. Shorty's completely against it. He doesn't want him to go in on it, but the uh, what was what was the John Garfield character name? Do you recall? I can't remember. In any case, uh, but he he's so uh, his ambition drives him to you know what? Fine, I'm going to go in with these guys and do business with them, and then it all culminates in what in what you're talking about. Yeah, it's really one of those the devil you know kind of situations where he knows he, what he's getting himself into, mm-hmm. and he's going to bet against himself as well so he can get a big payday. And so it's, it shows you a lot of the seedy, darker side of boxing when it comes to the, uh, the, the gambling of it. There is a character involved where uh, a, a, an African-American man who is a boxer who gets clocked and becomes punch drunk. Right. He, he clearly, and, and I don't know if the um, poor fella, he, he's kind of wall-eyed. Uh, and, and so it kind of really plays into that, that he's not right. And so he's got this one left eye that shoots out the other way. And he's a man of he is a man of principle, right. and he helps John see the light, and ultimately passes away in the ring. And you know he has this Aww. rambling uh, thing where he's just like just just uh, raving mad practically, and like and like ah oh, just let him tire himself out, and he collapses and he dies. 
And that's right. when that's the turn where John's like, you know, maybe I maybe I, you know, need to just see this through to the end and take it all 15 rounds. Mm-hmm. And it's a cool movie. I had not, I'd never heard of this before, but it was number one on Pace.com's list of top boxing movies and uh, gave it a shot. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And it reminds, and I'm, hopefully I'm going to let you talk about the next one then, because it reminded me of... Um, well, wait, I have a question. Hmm. And it's kind of, it might be a dumb question, but is there a movie about like Don King and all of his fucking antics? There actually is. I have not seen it. I can't recall. And I, as I was researching movies, uh, it, this it popped up. I don't know how well regarded it is and I can't recall the name of it but yes there that's is a, only in is, America it might, that's a that fucking might, that might have been that's probably what it's called that's probably what it's called uh, but yeah. uh, Todd I hope you'll talk about the setup oh yes because you saw it more so, recently than I did right so uh, the setup actually this was uh, one that uh, uh, that uh, I was texted about this week and I was like oh yeah that one and I may have seen it before as I started watching it, it became familiar but this movie is an editing masterclass. Yes. I mean, it is lean and mean and right to the point. Uh, and, uh, 80 minutes. Right. And it's oh, Robert wow. Wise, right? The director. Yeah. Uh, who's a well-known director of noir films. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, less than 80 minutes. I think it was 73 or something like that. And the last half of it is the fight. Yeah. Which was kind of cool. But the cool thing about that fight scene and what you see is that Wise doesn't just focus on the fight. He makes the crowd a character. Yes. He keeps focusing in on different members of the character. He keeps focusing in on this like like 50, 60 year old woman who's like bloodlusting, like yeah. kill him, kill you know. Yep. yep. Uh, this kind of thing. Uh, they this fat guy who's just like scarfing hot dogs and stuff. They keep coming back to him. They keep going back to this uh guy that's bet money on the fight. Um, can't remember what his name was. He had a colorful name, as they tend to do. This and, is one. Dip- this is one of my favorite boxing yeah. movies. I, yeah. I love this movie. And my review on Twitter was Tarantino had to have seen this movie. Oh, okay, I remember wrote you. The Butch part. Well, and that's why I sent yeah. you. I sent you a link to uh, from BoxingScene.com. Tarantino's five movies that he mentioned. He didn't mention. He didn't that mention one. this one. But and I was is, very surprised. It's so similar, and it fits in with the Pulp Fiction. Uh, uh, yeah. Body the pool which he draws his mm-hmm. his inspiration from from that film. So right. I thought that he had to have seen it. He, he probably did. Again, the economy of this movie, though. The, the, the plot actually is not... It's, it's the familiar boxing plot, right? You have a fighter. He's sent into a fight. He's supposed to throw it, although he doesn't know it initially. His trainer wants to pocket all the... You know, if, if they let him in on the fix, they have to give him money. And so his trainer's like, well, he's going to lose to this guy anyway. So we're just not going to let him in on it. And the spit man, the spit man, by the way, is the guy that holds the bucket or the cut. Uh, sometimes they call him the cut man, sometimes the spit man. But the guy that they spit, uh, they have a bucket and they spit the, you know, spit their water into and that kind of thing. Okay. They, don't, they don't really do that in modern boxing, but in the old fights, they hold up a bucket to him and they spit into it. Anyway, um, he's like, you got to tell him, you got to tell him. And uh, they don't want to tell him, though, because they don't want to cut him in. Finally, in the last round, he's actually starting to win the fight and land some blows. And they're like, all right, you got to tell him. They tell him. And um, he uh, goes in, wins the fight. And then it's interesting, though. They don't end it in glory. The mob guys come after him because he was supposed to lose the fight, even though he wasn't told until the last second. Mm -hmm. And they kick the shit out of him. Uh, At the end of that movie. You know, it just occurred to me another great boxing movie but it's not a boxing movie and nor is it really boxing it's more bare knuckle brawling 
is Snatch. Right. The yeah. fucking boxing scene in that is tremendous. Yeah. And that you talk about somebody not getting the uh, memo about fixing the fight mm-hmm. uh, and having to you know, hightail it out of there. That's <laughs> fucking okay. great. I have another question. Yeah. Just because, like, I guess the peripheral of boxing, like that kind of shit is sort of what interests me. But there's a glamour around boxing, like in terms oh. of the crowd. Is there like a movie kind of about that? I don't know, but it's funny you mentioned the glamour. That's something I meant to mention earlier. I think I, in my uh, outlandish intro, you know, the pageantry of boxing, the 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 oh. robes, the the very no, loud no, no. I just shorts. mean even but, like the but, crowd. But the crowd, it, like, it is. It's a fucking yes. It is a big deal, uh, or at least yeah. it was and at one is, point. And, and this is something that doesn't really exist anymore, even in modern boxing. So the the main boxers today fight twice a year, and that's about it. At, at most back in the era that we're talking about that the harder they fall came out that the setup came out guys would fight twice a month yeah um even even major fighters um when we when i watched um uh raging bull uh jake lamotta this is in the 1950s when he's having his famous series of matches with sugar ray robinson who's considered one of the greatest fighters of all time they fought twice in three weeks oh wow um okay and so this is not something that's done these days. And mm-hmm. I bring that up because that does have to do with the crowd. Going to a fight in certain cities was a lifestyle. Oh, in New York, um, absolutely. Madison Square Garden. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, even like Vegas, like mm-hmm. it, there's that was something that appealed to me, especially yeah. as like a little girl, like the, the pretty yeah. dresses, the furs, the, the jewels. Exactly. Oh my God. I mean, that, that is like, if I had to draw a cartoon of, of a woman attending a boxing match, even though today that they're, that's verboten, it would be, you know, a woman in a mink stole, you know, oh, I mean, that's yeah. very much yep. the image that you, you, you conjure up when you think of a classic boxing yep. outing where you've got these, these people in the crowd who are, if they're not well-to-do, they sure as fuck want you to think they're well-to-do. Exactly. Well, and the setup catch, and that's one thing that's so great about the setup yeah. is that it captures that element. Uh, it, you have the main plot, but then they make it a point. They show all these people in the crowd who you know are regulars. Yeah. These are people that go to the fights all the time. Oh, one, uh, one, one character there, too, I almost forgot about was the blind guy who has his, uh, I don't know, it was his buddy or whatever, describing to him yeah. what's going on in the fight. Which was kind of neat, fucking anyway, brilliant. It's it's a great movie. The, the other top in my list. I mean, we talk. We're going to talk about Rocky in a second. Yes, but out of the films I've seen, I think Raging Bull is one of the greatest boxing Absolutely. movies and possibly one of the best movies ever made. What uh, Scorsese does with boxing and filming and just turning it into theater, it is beautiful. And the interesting thing is that Scorsese was not a boxing fan and initially had no interest to do it. Mm-hmm. Nero was the one who wanted to make the movie. Yeah. And he kept having to hound Scorsese to get him to do it. And it was coming out of Scorsese's uh, stay in rehab for cocaine addiction that he made the movie. Uh, and Scorsese actually thought this might be his last movie. What year was this? Uh, 80. So I think this 81. Is, so this is post-Taxi Driver. Yes. The cool thing about uh, Raging Bull in that is that it's kind of... It's a tough watch. It, it's not the, the the rise of the underdog so much as it is the fall of the champion. It's an anti-hero movie. Yeah, it's it's Jake LaMotta and his his horrible self and just the the, the decline. And this is this is a real boxer that we're talking. Like oh somebody, yeah, yeah. This no, is Jake LaMotta was uh, this okay. is someone my grandfather watched on television and All right. um, that kind of thing. Yeah, he was a real guy 
uh, was the middleweight champion. Uh, in the interest of time, any other top boxing flicks? I think you mentioned Fat City to me. Oh, Fat City by John Houston is a really good one. Uh, it's uh, kind of a neo-noir more so, and it doesn't really have that element that uh, that the movies uh, immediately preceding mm-hmm. it have, because this uh, Fat City came out in the early 70s. Yeah. Uh, it... it um, this is about guys who uh, never were and are never going to be. They're not going up the ladder. They're not. I mean, Stacy Keach is the protagonist. Uh, Jeff Bridges plays an early role. You think initially that Jeff Bridges may be the up and comer, but then he kind of fades away. This is about what boxing is like for most of most the guys of, that most go of the guys into boxing. Do it. yep. it's not. It's not a. It's not an uplifting. Nope. Oh look, this guy's rising to the top. Typical. No. Typical for early '70s cinema. Yeah. Very cynical. Uh, yeah. you're, Chelsea, you're going to say something. I just want to give a callback to this one time where during pandemic times we got experimental with the podcast and the watch parties and we went to walmart and did the bin thing where you what was that stupid jungle land that fucking movie was terrible (laughs) (laughs) that's funny i saw it show up on a list somebody's like the most boxing movie oh my god i i I think it's it's pedestrian at best the Uh, fun part about that movie was going to walmart and filming you pick out the shit in the box (laughs) um, (laughs) remember that nick cage movie snake eyes yeah yeah. Uh, have you seen Requiem for a Heavyweight? I have. Anthony uh, Quinn? Yes. So this was, uh, uh, and what got me interested in is I'm a nerd for the Twilight Zone original series, which Rod Serling wrote. And Rod Serling wrote, wrote the original, yep. wrote the screenplay for this. It was actually originally written as a teleplay for a show called Playhouse 90, which was on early television. And Jack Palance actually played the Anthony Quinn role okay. in that hmm. version. And you can find that on YouTube, I think. That one's an interesting one. It's not. It's actually not so much a boxing movie, despite the title. Uh, what what uh, Ant- the Anthony Quinn character is at the end of his ropes. He's trying to. He, he at the beginning of the movie, he's trying to get a job as a counselor for kids, and then his former manager has these debts, gets him drunk, and he blows the interview, and uh, ends up talking the Anthony Quinn character into doing like a professional wrestling thing. Uh, using his boxing celebrity in order to help him get out of debt. Uh, it's a really good movie. I didn't bring it up just because I don't. There's not a ton of boxing in it, despite what the title is. Okay. But um, and there are several like you mentioned, Pulp Fiction. I I, I wondered about mentioning as a boxing movie, but there's a little bit of boxing. But yeah, there's a lot of other shit going on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. There are a number of movies like that. What's honestly. your, uh, what are your, let's, let's just wrap it up on the, the discussion. What are your, what's your worst boxing movie that you've ever seen? Uh, most, most of the ones that I've made it a point to watch are ones that I like looked into and wanted to mm-hmm. see probably snake eyes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know some, some people might like that. I mean, it's kind of a thriller type thing. I don't know. I didn't care for that one that much. Uh, there's one, um, I can't remember the name of it, with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Do you know the one I'm talking mm. about? Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky Four and Rocky Five are pretty bad. Oh, you're, Rocky Five, I agree with. I love Rocky Four. I fucking to... love Rocky Four. It's the best piece of uh, Cold War propaganda that was ever. I know, made. right, right. I want to. It's just too entertaining. It just for... It's a. Is it a good movie? Yeah. No. Yeah, twelve-year-old me loved it, but in retrospect, it's it's not that great. When you ask that question, though, to be honest, I can't think of any that I just think of as just pure shit. Yeah. And maybe that's a testament to the genre. Yeah. Uh, well, because, I mean, it's just got these themes that are just so ready-made to, to put forth. I just, you know. 
I also think you know what you're in for if you're going to see a boxing movie in terms of those themes. And I I feel like they're sought out. Like, Mm -hmm. you're not just going to, oh, this random boxing movie's on. I'm going to watch it. Like, it's something you're going to seek out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it may just be too what I intentionally sought out. Mm -hmm. There may, I'm sure there are some stinkers out there that I just haven't seen, but, you know. Well, let's talk about our feature film that we've all agreed that we're going to discuss Chelsea was kind enough to watch this this week. I did. Talk about 1976's Rocky. Uh, the film was directed by John G. Avildsen. I think it's Avildsen. I Avildsen. think I've heard it. He's the director of Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Which okay. is basically Rocky, but karate. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right. He directed Lean on Me. He directed 8 Seconds. Oh, and, my God. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he directed the aforementioned Rocky Five. Right. So he went out Holy with a bang. Shit. Oh, that's okay. Really... Rocky Five. I should have said that. That's the worst boxing movie ever. Yeah, De- definitely that shit. I, I think I took that for granted when you asked me. But yeah, starring of course Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Burgess Meredith in a fucking great role, and Carl Weathers. Uh, it garnered three Oscars, including Best Picture. Chelsea, I want to know what you think because this is fresh well... off, on your mind. It blows my mind that you have not seen this before. But. Hang on. Yeah, I've never, I've just never seen it. But I grew up in a household of, of women only. So, like, that makes sense. This was not something that existed in, in, our, in our space. But, God. I, and I'm still kind of, I didn't really have an opinion right after it was done. I was like, do I like this? Do I not like this? There were parts of it certainly I loved. I loved the love story. I thought that was so sweet. Oh my god, him on TV. I know people make fun of it, but my god, it was the fucking cutest thing. Oh, Adrian. Oh my god. I'm on TV. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Nobody but Stallone could have could have played that character. They and wanted Reynolds. No, it would have been incorrect. Yep. Um, it would have become real fucking a big fucking joke. Because there's... I think of Burt Reynolds as a Georgia, Florida kind of guy. Yeah. Stallone, you put him in that in that depressed Philadelphia backdrop, and he just he just meshes yep. with the scenery. He, yep. he does, but he's not as harsh as other actors, yeah. especially mm-hmm. of that time that you associate with it. There is such an innocence mm-hmm. and a charm that mm-hmm. he is conveying that I'm right. not entirely sure anybody else could. And yeah. I think he really fucked up with all these sequels because I think the movie would be, I mean, it, it is pretty yeah. I- infamous, but don't like, yeah. it's something that gets made fun of for a specific reason. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be probably more beloved without, without. all these fucking hokey sequels. Well, you, you jumped right ahead to one of my final questions. Oh, sorry. Was, no, no, no. It's fine because I'm glad to know that I wasn't off mark, which was, you know, do the sequels harm the film's legacy? 100%. Because, and I've never seen them because Rocky Two is, as I think, is a great continuation of the story. Is a good, actually, a solid movie. Yeah, I, I agree. It this week. Uh, Rocky Three is a lot of fun, and it speaks to the excess of fame. Yeah, very well. Yeah, even even Talia Shire falls into that trap. Right, and Rocky, you know, he loses his edge. Right, mm-hmm. he finds out later that they've been feeding him bums so that he wouldn't lose and that kind of thing. And so it takes Mick dying for him to kind of get revitalized. So yeah, and then it's got a great fucking soundtrack. Let's be honest. 
I mean, like it doesn't it, it doesn't hurt the film in terms of oh these sequels make this one look bad. It just turns Rocky into a joke. As somebody who didn't grow up with it and mm-hmm. just saw it, I knew who Rocky was. I've heard the references. You had a preconceived notion of who Rocky was. Well, but that's because because that's Mm -hmm. what's presented to me because it has been saturated. Mm -hmm. And, okay, there are good ones based on your guys' opinions, but they're ones that are so fucking bad that I know about them just because they're that fucking bad. And he becomes a joke so fast. (laughs) And I think that's the thing that ruins it for me because Rocky the character in that first one, my God, he, he really... Rewatching this, I, I, I was struck by how little actual boxing is in this movie. Right. Uh, the 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 bout is is literally like the last 10, 15 minutes of the film. Right. And you've got the opening with uh, Spider Rico in the, the club, and that's and that's it. It's mm-hmm. uh, the rest is all drama. Right. It's training. It's his relationship with with Adrian, with Burt Young's character, yeah. <laughs> Polly, yeah. and you know that's that, Polly's an interesting character because he kind of oh, follows yeah. a redemption arc through the sequels, uh-huh. which is nice. Um, uh, Burgess Meredith, you know that that scene because he treated he treated Rocky like shit. And then he tries to weasel his way into well, Rocky's good graces. Weasel, so he, uh, yeah, I, go I, for I it. That, <laughs> well, so one thing I love about this movie, and you're probably gonna have to shut me up at some point. I think uh, Sly's script for this was really intelligent because he set a number of things up, but did so in a very subtle way that uh, you only notice when you how he did it when you rewatch it. Um, and probably Abelson with direction probably deserves some credit for this too. But um, one of those ways is with the Mick character. So it does look like Mick is kind of weaseling his way back in, and he is in a way. But why does he do that? Is it just because he's greedy and wants money? He doesn't care about Rocky at all? I don't think so. They said it. There's some setup before that, right? So, and I won't go through all of them, but the biggest one is after Rocky loses his locker, right? Mick closes him out of his locker puts them on what they call skid row, mm-hmm. right? Which means you're 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 a boxer who's going nowhere. Yeah. And Rocky says, essentially, why are you doing that? I mean, why, why are you doing this to me? And, and Mick says, you want to know how come? And they have a shouting match. And Mick says, because you had the talent to become a good fighter. And instead of that, you became a leg breaker for some two-bit loan shark. That's an important scene for a couple reasons. One, it establishes that Mickey actually cared about Rocky but was frustrated by him, and that's why he's an asshole to him. Yeah. Second, in order to buy this movie, anybody that knows anything about elite athletics, you can't be a bum and get in there with the best and be competitive. So you've got to do something to convince the viewer that Rocky can get into the ring and hang with him and be competitive and potentially win. Mm Mm-hmm. And they set, and so that's one way that 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 that's set up, right? We, it's not belabored, but Mick says, "Hey, I saw the talent in you years ago, and you wasted it." And so we get that little element. And so I think that, and yes, there is the weaseling in. So there's that complex character with Mick, but at the same time, though, you kind of see his um, where it was, where it came from. You want to say something, Chelsea? I just looked up. The nominees for the Academy Award, the year Rocky won. Okay. How the fuck is Rocky gonna beat Taxi Driver? It's it, a great movie. I don't. I mean, it's the same thing. Tears of Endearment beat Raging Bull. So if we're gonna go with boxing movies, get. I uh, don't. I just don't think Rocky was good enough to do that. And All the President's Men. I mean, those were great films. Yeah. 
I, I I liked Rocky. Don't get me wrong. No. Yeah. No. I think I think it jerked off America, and I can see how they, <laughs> you know. Well, uh, I got three words for you: hmm. Shakespeare and love. <laughs> and also, like, I have one word for you. How the fuck did Amadeus win? <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, it's funny that the, the, I mean, the I, Academy I don't judge it on that. You have these movies that pop up, like, uh, you know, uh, Citizen Kane lost to, uh, you know, How Green Is My Valley. But usually, though, those movies they lost to actually were good movies. Yeah. Um, like, uh, you know, um, I just mean Terms term- of Endearment's a good movie, but it's not as good as Raging Bull. Yeah. I, I just mean, like, movie. in terms of if we're comparing it yeah. to the movies of the time. Yeah. And I'm really struggling to figure out like where I sit with Rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, just it was yeah, good, it, not that good. That it always surprises me that that Rocky won Best Picture because it's a crowd pleaser. And, well, exactly, and, and, and it's, off it's, it's rare that a crowd pleaser can 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 win. Uh, quite they frankly. do that occasionally though. Yeah. They did that shit with Crash. Yeah, to beat Brokeback Mountain. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That's not, <clears throat> It's so. more defensible with Rocky, I would say. Oh yeah, um, I I can see how it did one, like a hundred percent. So, tell me what you think in terms of, of how do you think Rocky has aged? The the film, the film itself. <sighs> so I, I had I have and had a lot of questions about Rocky. One thing that really bothered me, and I'm not entirely sure if this is intentional and if I'm opening up a can of worms, but the guy he was fighting. <clears throat> I can't remember his name. Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed. There we go. I'm wondering if it was intentionally cast as a as a black man. Oh, and I I'm, have a lot of fucking issues with that. Well, it almost certainly was. the So the Apollo Creed character, I don't think anyone would deny was modeled off of Muhammad Ali. Right. That's what I was wondering. Uh, and... Um, I mean, there's no question. And the, and the Rocky character himself was uh, modeled after a Ali opponent, Chuck Wetner, who... Um, fought Ali and went almost went the he didn't go the distance. So remember in Rocky, the big thing is he goes the he doesn't yep. he doesn't beat yep. Apollo. He goes the distance. Wetner almost went the distance with Ali, but not quite. He did get knocked out in the last minute of the fight. But in any case, uh, that was a big upset that he even went that far. And that's what uh, Sylvester Stallone has said in interviews since then. He based the fight off of that Wetner character, and then of course the Apollo character is modeled uh, after. Uh, Ali and that you know yeah you could definitely say there's some problematic things about well and as somebody who is not a boxing fan and and just watching this at face value um and I'm putting it in context of the time too you have this commercial black man who beats this down on his luck white man but also at the same time somebody who is God, dressed in all of this Americana fucking bullshit garb. Like, I really have a fucking issue with that. Like, I did not, I didn't like that. That really kind of made me sick to my stomach, really pissed me off. Um, I, I wish I could talk to them about this. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I think I mentioned to you, you know, in 76, it was the bicentennial year. And I remember as a kid, it was everywhere I understand that but now having the wisdom of that time outside of that come on I I think that it just I I think it was a great uh, not great it was an opportunity for them to uh, point out the the commercialism of 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 fame 
and that sort of thing. He was a caricature. Uh, I think that the people around him were depicted much more sinister than he was. No, and I'm I'm not blaming him, but I, yeah. I re- and all of those characters were also black. Mm-hmm. Most of them were black. That's an interesting point. And I think yeah. there's a fucking racial thing here that well, is just being they're, fucking disregarded they're because definitely... the themes of boxing jerk off America. Well, there's definitely in boxing the great white hope uh, element. So the great white hope element is the sort of kind of sinister thing that permeates through, particularly in heavyweight boxing, where the last, uh, well, up until recently, the last white heavyweight champion was Rocky Marciano in the 50s. After that, all the champions were black. And so there was this concept of, oh, we got to have the great white hope, that white guy who's going to take the title back. Um, And Rocky does not ever explicitly tap into that, of course, but you could certainly say that as a flaw in the movie that it's present, right? Right. Um, and and I think I think it's not for, like, I hate this word, but it's not for, like, woke reasons. They're not trying to no. shine a spotlight on it. It feels really gross to me, it, mm. and it feels very intentional. Well, well, and let's remember, too, that Ali, historically, is a beloved figure now. That was not always the case. Right. Uh, in the mid-'70s, you know, he had, you know, some people thought of him as a deserter because he refused to go to uh, Vietnam. Um, you know, he was flamboyant in an era when you were supposed to be a reserved and that kind of thing uh, as a fighter, particularly as a black uh, fighter. But that, 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 and that, that, that brings up a whole host of things. Well, with of his, course. And that's uh, kind of what, what I'm getting at with yeah. it, because I think he became a poster child for, for white people to hate, honestly. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And that's what this feels like. Interesting. I don't like it. Like that really pissed me that, off. That element is, I think, problematic because I do think that there is that. <clears throat> I don't think it was intentionally done I by do. anybody. I maybe, do. maybe it was. I don't know. Um, but in any case, uh, e- either way, though, it's certainly there and something that's certainly worth, uh, you know, mentioning. Mentioning because you know the Ali character is cast as the villain against the, you know, white guy. Yeah. That was, yeah. that's, the, I think that's the hardest reason for me to kind of figure out how I feel about Rocky. Cause I, mm-hmm. I really have a fucking issue with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. No, Tangent no. done. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> it, it's very well worth. That's why I asked, you know, how is it aged? Uh, the only other thing that, that I thought of, and it kind of for a second there when he, when he gets, uh, uh, Adrian to go up to his room. Yes. Yeah, I don't I was like that mention scene. That I don't like that scene. He kind, of, he kind of backs her in the corner, and for a second, I'm holding my breath, like going, "Oh my god, is this going to be a cringy, rapey scene?" And because I don't remember it that way, and it's like it's 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 a tense moment for a modern audience to watch. But I think that, I don't think it's even for a modern audience. I when I was a then. kid and watching it, it was tense. Then I would fast. Ever since, because okay. I've, I, as I've told y'all, uh, uh, coming into this, I watch this movie hundreds of times, probably or dozens at least. I would always fast forward part that uh, through that movie, and maybe when you're six or seven, you could just say you don't want to see the adults making out or whatever. It's, it, but it's, it's just an uncomfortable feeling that you get every time you see. Well, he's it. Yeah. he's physically imposing, and she's meek, and yeah. Well, but she's also made it clear she's not meek. She stood up. No, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't think it's I mean, appropriate. Physically, physically. I mean, I, well, think, I understand yeah. that. I mean, I think but... the intent is that oh, Rocky's breaking her walls down. I think that's what they're going for, but. It's, it's definitely not. It's definitely a problematic scene. Probably the scene that definitely has aged the worst. But I don't think that it was. Ever, I mean, like I said, I felt uncomfortable with that scene thirty years ago. Good point. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so I, you know, it, it's a it's a weird scene. Um, 
And, and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, at the end of Rocky and Adrian's first date, they end up in Rocky's shitty apartment. And so he's trying to put the moves on her. She's very shy, her character, and she's trying to leave well, uh, initially. But Rocky, though, th- you know, the, the way they're trying to portray it is that she really wants to stay because she likes Rocky, but she's just shy. She's reserved. And Rocky's breaking those walls down, but it doesn't necessarily it doesn't, come off Yeah, that it doesn't way. come off well, that way. Because yeah. she's not shy. She was vocal from the get-go yeah. and that's that's i guess at the core of it mm-hmm. that's my problem with boxing movies because here you have a woman who is not loud i'm loud sorry no, not sorry what oh i know right <laughs> who is speaking her mind and people are just fucking choosing not to listen because oh my god she wears glasses but my god at the end they take them off and she's this <laughs> hot thing but somebody who is told she's ugly she's never gonna have a man she has to live with her brother all of this stupid shit when she's saying everything that we're saying right now we just chose not to listen to her yeah yeah she was definitely not heard at in, all i mean fucking polly was the fucking turkey thing yeah he grabs God. the turkey and tosses it so even, they'll go out even that yeah. like oh i did you this favor by bringing this man here yeah no. yeah Stop. Well, to, now to be fair that the difference though with that scene though is i think the movie is critical of what the men are doing to her and that or or what Polly's doing to her and that scene I don't versus... I think it came across as a joke no, we were supposed I, to laugh. I, I, no I, I think it read that Polly was a shit uh, I just yeah. Polly Polly and, was well, a shit in the so first was film Rocky in that scene well I did notice this time when I watched the Rocky just kind of sits in the background and it's... doesn't jump up and but know, then yeah. goes up to the door right. has that cute little speech when she's made it fucking clear at this point yeah yeah. yeah so Anyways, that, that, that's that, that that to me was the part that was kind of uh, uh, <laughs> disrespectful to the female character, much uh, like most boxing movies. But see, it just goes back to what Mick said: women weaken legs. That's true. That's yes. true. And uh, <laughs> just remember that words to live well, by. Sorry, I'm trying to yell for the women in the boxing movies. <laughs> All right, last question. Last question in your uh, in your your scope of boxing films. Uh, where does where does Rocky fall? Probably two behind Raging Bull for me. <clears throat> two behind uh, Raging Bull. Yeah, okay. I think I think I got to go Raging, Raging Bull, Bull one, uh, Rocky. Rocky two okay. for okay. for boxing movies. Okay. Yeah. Um, sentimentally, Rocky's going number one, but Raging Bull is just objectively a mm-hmm. uh, just a such an expertly crafted uh, film. Um, yeah. It does, and it also doesn't go for the easy, yeah. you know, the easy p- crowd pleasing moments at all like the opposite of that in fact you have a anti-hero that you have to get the crowd to follow mm-hmm. nevertheless i put um i put rocky so, about number four for me yeah i've what? got i've got raging bull the setup the harder they fall ahead of it no problem no, i man, no issue with that uh, I, and i didn't get into this much on the podcast and i won't go into it too much here but the, rocky's sort of in my cinematic dna because it was one of the handful of vhs tapes i had in the oh, er, in the late 80s uh, oh, yeah. when I had three channels to watch on TV and so when you had those handful of VHS tapes you were watching them over they, and yes. over and yeah. over and that's again. not something that happens um, now yeah, they don't exactly. they, like kids don't get that yeah no. and so that movie I could when I rewatched it this week I could anticipate every facial expression line friends and I have joked over the years that that know me well Joey Poole and and others about how I can quote lines yes. randomly from this movie um so 
So, you know, I, but the harder they fall, the setup too. I have no issue with anybody putting that above above Rocky. Chelsea? For me, because I have not seen those ones that go above. And I do want to see them just based on your guys' conversations and hearing about them prior to Rocky number one. Yay. Out, out of all of the yeah. boxing movies I've seen and... I mean, I say I've not seen many. I, I probably have. You've seen and Cinderella Man. I, ugh, yes. <laughs> Million Dollar Baby. Like, I, I've seen those things. The Fighter. Mm-hmm. Many more that I could probably list off that really don't mean fucking shit yeah. in the scheme of things. But Rocky is one of those. And fucking A, I got pretty passionate here about a couple of things. Yeah. But at the same time, Rocky as a character, yeah. I love. It stirs you up. I mean, that's and that's the cool thing about Rocky. Is like, by the end of the movie... <laughs> You're, 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 if you're not feeling something, yeah, I, I would be really I guess surprised. For me, it kind of pisses me off that the thing within the culture, and I do think it's because of the sequels, is you Adrian, I'm on TV. <laughs> like, that's that's bullshit. It, it's cute and it's funny, and I love it, but no. Mm-hmm. All right, that's boxing movies, everybody. We want to thank <clears throat> Todd for being on the show and bringing your knowledge, bringing your love. Yes. I thank you so much. I hope my enthusiasm came through. Do you Hell have yeah. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Uh, nothing that I want to plug per se. Uh, however, um, there is a, a movie out. If you're familiar with the movie Old Boy, have you are y'all familiar? Oh yeah, with this? I know Old Boy. So that director, uh, Park Chan Wok, has a new movie out called Decision to Leave. Uh, it's streaming yes. on uh, Mubi, uh, which. You know, you have to subscribe to, but you can get a week's free trial that is worth totally worth it for this movie. Uh, it, it's an excellent movie. I just watched it the other day. Uh, just wanted to recommend that to people. Uh, nice. If you like foreign cinema and don't mind reading subtitles and all that, it's it's really good. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, I have two things I want to plug. Go. First, Adrian's voice. I will be it. You'll be the. You'll, I'll be. I'll you're be her, her advocate. Voice. You're yes. her advocate. Yes. God. Second thing. <laughs> Fucking theme weeks. Like, <laughs> just give in to them and do them. Fucking A. <laughs> wow. And uh, I'm going to plug the podcast. This is going to be our last episode for December, the only episode for December. We've got very busy, busy times ahead of us. But we're going to come back with our top 22 of 22. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, I think uh, Travis Cito will be back with us to discuss his top 22. Aww. And yeah. we'll uh, we'll argue over it. And we'll make fun of him for some of his five-star ratings on uh, oh, Letterboxd. Uh, some que- some <laughs> I qu- noticed some of those that I'm curious about. Some head scratchers. So, yes. uh, so, so like all family members over the holidays, there will be arguments had. And so. I will win. <laughs> So uh, we want to invite you back and uh, come check that out. Uh, we're probably going to record that uh, New Year's weekend-ish, somewhere around there, and uh, drop it uh, hopefully at the beginning of the year. And uh, please uh, you know, check us out on social media. We're at Cinema Chop Shop on everything except for YouTube. We are Cinema Chop Shop Podcast there. And uh, please tell your friends about us. Uh, like and subscribe to the uh, podcast. Rate and review. And please stick with us. And uh, we're going to have a fun time in 2023. And until then, we invite you to please watch Chop Retrofit. <laughs> <laughs>